Hello, and welcome to Digital Marketing Musings, hosted by Merkel. Each episode, we choose a different expert to discuss the latest and greatest in digital marketing trends. Today, we're interviewing Shirley Zelser and Kurt Morris about ethical AI and machine learning. All right, let's get to it. I'm Gaia Reed, And I'm Andrew McCartney. And this is Digital Marketing Musings. Welcome back to Digital Marketing Musings Season 2. Today, we're joined by Shirley and Kurt to talk about ethical AI. Shirley Zelser is the Global Head of Analytics at Merkle, and Kurt Morris is the Global Chief Equity Officer for Merkle. Welcome to the show, you two. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. We are super, super excited about this episode. So to start with, how do you all define artificial intelligence and machine learning? So artificial intelligence and machine learning, it's it's been around for a long time. It's been around since the 50s. And it used to be, you know, techniques that enable computers to mimic human cognitive functions, but then evolved into the ability um, for machines to learn without being explicitly programmed. But now we have um, the ability to do deep learning. So algorithms that really are are able to predict behaviors and predict what they're seeing um, using existing data and using things that they've they've seen and learn from that. So you know there there's a million applications for for artificial intelligence and machine learning around data, around technology, around analytics. Um, and then if we think about the top artificial intelligence applications in marketing, we think about things like um, natural language processing, image recognition, um, decisioning and next best actions, and personalized customer experiences. And when we talk about like the ethical application in developing um, these things, like how how do you all think about that, or how how does ethics become involved? So ethical AI, from our perspective, is artificial intelligence that complies with well-defined ethical guidelines regarding fundamental values, such as individual rights, privacy, non-discrimination, and non-manipulation. But at Merkle specifically, and at Merkle Analytics, we're focused on the ethical application of our data and analytics to marketing measurement and targeting. And our goal is really to increase transparency and explainability in the use of our AI and allowing our clients to make better and more informed decisions. And and just to add there, thanks, Shirley, just to add there. So I think from a from a diversity, equity, and inclusion perspective, there's like four key principles that I think uh, we want to adhere to as well, right? One, we want to make sure that whatever ethical uh, AI programs we have in place are, are both fair and, and unbiased. Two, we want to make sure that they're reliable and safe. And then three, we want to make sure, as, as Shirley said before, that they're very inclusive. And then last, and and lastly, and and most importantly, they're 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 both private as well as as well as very secure to make sure that we we are not impeding on on any personal um, um, PI and etc. So this is making me wonder, like, who's in charge of making these decisions? Like, who decides what's ethical on one platform or another, and and how does that all come together? I think right now that's part of the the problem slash opportunity is that there's a lot of decision makers. So most companies have compliance and there's high level decisions such as, you know, which attributes 
um, of individuals or demographics are not ethical to use, such as age or race or gender. And I think that that that's sort of what we see as the standard. But there's also um, a responsibility or an authority for for the marketing departments, for the IT departments, and for all of the areas that use artificial intelligence to become more responsible and to actually govern themselves in the way that that AI is being used. And from what I've read, I think there's like three main stakeholders, right? So there's the academics that have, as Shirley mentioned before, that have been planning uh, AI since the day they are they, 1950s. Mm-hmm. Obviously, secondly, it's, it's, it's corporations such as Merkle, Microsoft, and, and Google. And then thirdly, I think it's up to the individual stakeholders, our clients, and, 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 and their consumers as well. I mean, this just seems like so powerful AI and how it can be used and applied. And like, of course, the ethics being very important. Um, Are there any constraints in place from like a legislative perspective or anything like that that we should be aware of? So I think actually the legislation is way behind here. Um, (laughs) When I think about legislation from an ethical AI standpoint, there's, there's legislation around, you know, having you know, not non-biased, especially in the financial services arena, right? You mm-hmm. can't market to certain, you know, right. you have to be um, very unbiased in, in your marketing. However, I don't think that the use of AI and all of its applications is very well regulated currently. And this conversation will be probably very different three or four years from now. But I think as we look at it today, there's not a lot of regulation around the uses of AI in terms of ethics or responsible AI. Yeah, I think I think Shirley is, is definitely spot on. I think the last stat I read, I think like only 13 states have bills on the books in terms of wow. ethical AI. And, and those and those rules are, are constantly changing. So I think this is a, this is an opportunity for us to be able to influence what those rules are going to be in the future. I think this is part of what's so interesting is that we have the ability now to be at the forefront of what some of this legislation is going to be. And I think that as practitioners of AI, we sort of know under the hood a lot more of what's happening than somebody who would come in externally and try to regulate it. So for us to be the responsible party that sort of leads and says, hey, this is what we should be looking at and these are the decisions that we should be making, it, it's sort of on us to, to drive that. Definitely. And this does make me wonder, like, what would you like to have be in place, like within this legislation that that we're hoping to be kind of part of building? I think the most important thing I'd like to see is ensuring that everything that we do from an AI and machine learning standpoint is transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it's not necessarily up to us to define what is ethical and what is not ethical. But right. it is important to ensure that we know exactly how they're being used and what biases exist in all of the applications. And that's something that 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 can be more enforced. Yeah, I think also to, to Shirley's point is just to make sure that there's organizational awareness of what ethical AI, AI is. And if there's any impacts, that those impacts are actually monitored, but also to engage those actual stakeholders. So this is not a linear process. It's a, it's a, it's a process that's going to be ongoing as, as we learn more about these um, um, actual AI platforms. I'm also wondering, Kurt, earlier you talked about like the three main stakeholders um, in terms of like today, who's deciding what is ethical. How are, what's the hierarchy between those three today? Like who's, who's decision-making trumps who else's? 
I think <laughs> uh, that's a very, very tough question. So in terms of <laughs> in terms of the hierarchy, I, I don't think one um, um, aspect is overweighing the other. So like I said before, there's academia, there's government, and then there's large corporations, right? I, I think if you look at, uh, at actual speed and scale, I, I think private corporations are probably uh, um, actually further ahead. When you think of academia, they're really kind of studying like what like what's happening in this space. And obviously, as as Julie mentioned before, the government is, is trying to regulate like all of these spaces. So I think as a community, it's 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 a it's incumbent upon all of us to make sure that we are keeping each other um actually abreast of of any um advances in this space. And how do consumers feel or react to how you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning is is being applied across their life or their, you know, their user experience uh, online today. I think consumers are becoming more and more savvy about how their data is being used, how companies are making decisions around marketing and around fairness in general. So while I don't necessarily think that the average consumer understands enough about artificial intelligence or machine learning to know that the applications are being done in an ethical fashion, I think they understand the the end state, right? And so what they're going to see is if some someone is getting you know, better offers or if, if certain populations are being targeted or not being targeted or if certain populations are just getting differential treatment, they're going to be aware of that and they're going to bring that to light. So I think that, you know, from a from an awareness standpoint, this is going to become more and more important. And brands right now, I think, are at a, an interesting time where everybody cares about fairness and unbias. And right now we have the opportunity to shape that from an AI standpoint as well. I'm wondering if you could give uh, just a tangible, real-world example of some problem or dilemma we've kind of had to grapple with in this space over maybe the past year that we'd be able to, you know, relate to the decisions that are being made. Yeah, I mean, I can give a couple of examples. So, you know, on the on the data side, so um, a lot of times when we build models using machine learning algorithms, um, it it's a little bit more of a black box. So you know what demographics or what variables or what attributes go into it. And then, you know, magic happens in the background and then you get, you get this really great um, algorithm. But what we've seen is that a lot of times certain demographics can actually end up being proxies for something that is not what you would want to use. And a great example of that that we've seen recently is zip codes. So zip codes can be used for a lot of really positive things. It can indicate things like presence of children, and it can indicate things like proximity to a beach or proximity to something else. But in a couple of specific use cases, we actually saw that zip code was a proxy for ethnicity. And so when you look at it on the surface, you say, okay, well, zip code is fine to use in, a, in machine learning. It's not a big deal. But then you have to really dig in and see, okay, let's make sure that it's being used in the right way. And let's make sure that it's not being used to generate any kind of unfairness or bias, which in that case it was. Um, another really interesting application of ethical AI is what we've seen around loyalty programs. So loyalty programs by nature are something that 
provides value or provides incentive or, you know, gives perks and awards and it's great and companies love it and consumers love it as well. Um, But what we've seen in a couple of areas is that the way that um, loyalty programs are, are targeting consumers was actually developed on biased data. Now, again, this was not anybody's fault. A lot of times machine learning models and AI just learn based on historical information and who historically has been a customer and who has been responsive, but not factoring in that that might have had biases in the past. And then all of a sudden, your program that gives out perks and incentives is a little bit biased. So there's a lot of things that we need to think about as marketers for you know, potential biases that we need to mitigate. Yeah, and one thing I want to, to add here as well. So, from the human aspect, right? So, these ethical these these programs are built are built by human beings, and we have unconscious bias. And unfortunately, sometimes that that's actually built into the program. So, you know, one of the core principles, like I mentioned before, is to make sure that you know these programs are inclusive, and and, and make sure that they're not disqualifying people based on age, based on gender, and or based on ethnicity. So Shirley, there was um, what you had talked about, about being a marketer and, and being aware of these things from an ethics standpoint. Can you go into that more? I mean, that's one area that I'm particularly interested in of like, we've got these algorithms, AI, machine learning services that we have at our disposal. Like what, what areas do I need to be aware of as a marketer? Yeah, I think that right now as a marketer, there's, there's a few things that we should be evaluating. Um, one is how is... AI and machine learning being used across the organization, specifically in marketing and advertising. Um, where where is it being used, and then also where is it being implemented? Um, thinking about your audiences and who you've had as consumers in the past and who you're targeting, and are there biases that exist in these audiences, or potentially, um, you know, are you targeting them across channels in a different way? Are you targeting in in the same fashion across different channels? Um, if you have targeted populations, um, are those populations that you're targeting equally represented um, for underrepresented groups in the U.S. population, right? And just looking at the distribution of the targeted population versus the general U.S. population. And then finally, are there variables or attributes or demographics that you're using in any kind of decision-making process that might be unexpectedly driving bias? And then how do we account for that and how do we sort of solve for that? I think those are, if you think about those things and, and really evaluate and think about how that's being done in your organization, you're going to get really, really far along in detecting unwanted bias. Great, great suggestions. It definitely seems to me, you know, as we're as we're talking through this, that the easy path and a lot of the best practices that we've heard as digital marketers probably over like the past five or 10 years, um, they don't kind of like foolproof you against um, a lot of this inherent bias, like some of the best practices against just you know, pulling a CRM file and uh, using a lookalike model against your current database. If you have a primarily like one ethnicity customer historical historically, and you just build a lookalike model off of them, then like you're then inherently biasing who you're you're deploying ads against. And so it it's definitely going to require, or it seems like we're really asking that 
all digital marketers are like reevaluating, like what is it they're actually doing one or two steps below. That's exactly right. And just, just to kind of give everybody a little bit of a break here. So the example that you just gave, right, about lookalike models, you know, five, six years ago, we were building models that used completely different techniques, right? It was logistic regression or things like that, which I know I sound a little bit nerdy right now for my non-technical <laughs> audience, but, um, but, but it was all very transparent. You knew exactly which variables went into the model. You knew how they were connected to each other and correlated with each other and being used in the model. And everything was super, super transparent. And you knew exactly how the algorithm was being put together. These new machine learning techniques have only, you know, they've been around for a while, but they've only been really used in marketing over the last few years. And that's where all of a sudden we have this potential for bias. So, you know, I want to make sure that people understand that this is as we get this great new technology, which enables us to be better marketers and to better target and to better predict, there's also kind of unintended consequences that come along with that that we just have to be aware of. Yeah, and then to add to that, Shelley, I think too, I think back to my earlier statement about, you know, we're all humans, right? And you have humans working on these programs. So it's, it's, it's highly, highly important to make sure that the teams that are working on these programs are also diverse in themselves. So that way you have diverse perspectives being actually baked into the, 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 the program. So, uh, even though, you know, it's machine learning and it's AI at the, at the end of the day, um, we as humans are building these platforms and we want to make sure that we have as much diverse perspectives as possible. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess one more question I have on this point is I could see a pushback, say, from a client, right, who says, well, the best performance that we, you know, we're, we're targeting these lookalike models because they have per- the best performance um, and, you know, expanding out uh, outside of these models historically hasn't performed well, or we wouldn't expect it would perform well. So what do we say to someone from a a business case perspective to kind of reemphasize why this is so important to make sure that we're baking in a lot of this, um, this ethical decision-making and in how we're going about running these programs? You've hit a really interesting point because what we are seeing is that a lot of times when we want to make the models that the machine learning algorithms as unbiased as possible, you do give up a slight amount of performance, at least initially. And one thing I want to call out is that's, you know, we present that as full transparency to the clients and we say, hey, you know, here's the model without some of the fairness functions here it is with with it and we sort of have a conversation about what they would prefer to use that being said though i think that a lot of the the biases that exist in the models is because of untested populations so so what i would say to these these clients is you're actually going to in the short term maybe see performance dip a little bit but in the long term, the models are going to actually learn a lot more from these populations that have not traditionally been marketed to before. And you might be untapping brand new segments of the population that are really responsive to you that you've never really talked to before. So, so it's also thinking a little bit more about the future and about how to grow your client base in a much better way um, because you're not relying on the past kind of biased populations that you've been marketing to in the past. 
The other thing I would say is that, again, consumers are becoming much more savvy about Mm -hmm. how they're being marketed to and who is being marketed from an organization. And I think that it's every, every brand wants to say, hey, we are marketing in a very ethical and unbiased way. And so being able to put all of these checks in place and making sure that the AI and machine learning that you use is unbiased and takes into account all of these things is a really good, it's a really good thing to be able to say to the community and to your customers. That's pretty awesome. It definitely resonates to hear, you know, what's working today is probably not going to work tomorrow and you're like future proofing uh, your program or business and, and kind of building outside of the customer base that you've, you've already really tapped into previously. So in our business, you know, what types of, of clients or, or service lines are really most concerned with the development or, or application of these, you know, ethical practices related to um, AI and machine learning? I think we're seeing it across the board. I think it, it, it was probably born initially out of financial services because obviously there's a ton of regulation around being able to offer credit um, or things like that and making sure that that is completely unbiased. However, I think that that's evolved and I think we see a lot of retailers and the travel industry and everybody else really wanting to ensure that they are treating their customers in the most fair and ethical fashion. And I think that's become a conversation in the industry right now. And I think that um, while it may have started in financial services, we're definitely seeing it across the board and and brands, again, want to make sure that they are they are being ethical. Yeah, yeah. One one additional place that I saw it as well. I attended Merkel's health health healthcare client exchange, and we saw it in the healthcare space, making sure, especially during COVID, making sure that you have um, there's not inequality in 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 healthcare around like who receives healthcare. So I think to to Shirley's earlier point, it, it's across the the various kind of markets and services that we offer. And then to close our episode. Uh, what main takeaways or do you want listeners to walk away with after after listening? I think that the main takeaways are that you should be assessing your marketing programs, conducting an audit on how machine learning and ethical AI are being used to make decisions across the organization, evaluate any source of bias that's creeping into decision-making, looking at all of your models and algorithms and looking at their outputs and comparing them to the general U.S. population to see if there's any kind of biases in the population or differences, and then changing and adapting to a more inclusive approach to audience-based targeting and putting in checks along the way to make sure that you um, throughout all of your marketing processes, you check to eliminate for bias? So that's a great question. So there's there's four things or, or four key principles, I think, now and going forward that are going to be helpful. One is just to make sure, as Shirley mentioned, that the, that the process is fair and unbiased, right? Because you want to make sure that the outputs of, of, those, of those results are, are fair and unbiased. Two, um, you want to make sure that, we, that it's, a, it's very inclusive um, to ensure that no populations are being left out based on age or other type of demographics. Um, the, the third one is making sure that it's safe and secure, right? So there's governance and there's a process to make sure that every, everyone knows what's being put into the machine learning and what's being done for AI. 
And then lastly, just making sure that any output is actually reliable and safe and it's not impacting any any population ad- adversely. Wonderful. Uh, Shirley, I know you have an ebook or a white paper coming out. Didn't know if you want to give a quick plug for that one. I would love to. I'd love to give a little shout out. So, um, so we, um, we have an ethical AI ebook coming out, um, which really talks in more depth about how um, AI and machine learning could potentially have biases, some of the common things that we've seen, and then, you know, just high level approaches to how to mitigate for some of that bias. Um, so hopefully you'll all check it out. Wonderful. Well, Kurt, Shirley, thank you both so much for joining us today. I feel like I have a lot to think about, a lot to learn about AI, machine learning, and how ethics can be applied to it and impacts of it and all of those sorts of things. So truly, thank you so much. Thanks for having us. And thanks for having us. Thank you. That brings us to the end of this episode of Digital Marketing Musings. If you have an idea for an episode for this season or next, we'd love to hear it. Just drop us a note at digitalmarketingmusings at merkelink.com. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button uh, as well as rate and review our show. It helps others find us. And we're always appreciative if you recommend us to a friend. This episode was produced by Merkel with sound and video editing by Craig Zagurski. Our team includes copywriting by Annika Schliesman, graphic design by Garrett Rubel, website support by Bella Paul and Emily Chu, and social media and promotion by Gina Astrop and Andrea Ratner. Tune in next time. And until then, I'm Andrea McCartney. And I'm Gaia Reed. Bye.